Okay, at this time, we can have our first message, which is going to be brought to us by Mr. Doyle Carter. And the title of his message is First Fruits 1. Let's see, I'll just read it up here. These guys up here because I didn't write it down very well. One of our great goals as a Christian. Everything on. Perfect. And I made sure I set where I was supposed to so Sean won't forget where I'm at when I'm over here instead of back there. So, And since just uh, while I'm getting everything ready, to sp- speaking of the Super Sabbath weekend, you were talking about Super Sabbath, I can't say it. We had several people on our Facebook page actually say they really appreciated us too. Can't get their names offhand. One's from, uh, see, I can't remember the name, but they're from Texas. I think it was Fort Worth, Texas. And they actually sent a nice thank you for the church for the willingness to share the building and to give them a fantastic time that weekend. Yeah, I was telling them in there while I'm getting ready real quick, getting things moved, that basically I was, you were talking about cell phones. I actually wasn't going to bring my cell phone up here, and I was telling Steve and them, you know, I can just see the embarrassment of forgetting to turn it off. It's not with me now. It's back there. <laughs> so, and I am not running from here to go over there to turn it off. So. so I took the initiative to turn it completely off. If you wonder why I brought both of these, because if the power runs out on the paper, I got this. <laughs> you know, if it starts to fade, then I got something here. Well, I had to switch with Curtis, so I had to speed this up just a little bit, but it was really easy, actually, because one thing I noticed when we, I looked at the calendar, as Matt gave us, you know, we are told in Leviticus 23:16 to count down the 50 days. I was looking at it, and that's, this is the, can you believe it? We're at the 21st day. I mean, in a few days, we'll be halfway to Pentecost. And... One lesson I get from the countdown now, after all the years I've started doing it, because I will admit, when I first entered church, no one ever really pointed out the fact that in Leviticus 23 it says to count down the 50 days. But in the last 10 years or so when I started to do it, when it was mentioned, I realized that we really have a short time. Seven weeks really isn't that long. It's less than two months. Two months goes real fast. We've already got to the third week, and then in, in about a month or so we'll be back here on a Sunday. Well, after today, of course, a Sunday, and it's just short. It's like our lives. We're just, it's just short. It goes away quick. You know, I'm nearly, we're not going to say, I'm nearly a certain age, and I've noticed I can look back like my dad told me, because he did once tell me. He said, there'll be a day you'll look back and wonder where all that time went. I know you don't think that now, but you will. And that's what, one of the things I see in the 50-day count is that we it gives us a sense of urgency. We're aware that time is short. We have a limited time on the planet, on the earth, to do what we need to do. And this is what Pentecost actually kind of covers as well. Because in four weeks, we'll be at Pentecost. And one of the main focus or main themes of Pentecost is the first fruits. And that's very important to Christians because we want to be a part of the, be the first fruits of God, of man, or however you want to say it, when it comes. And i.e., as I put in the notes, i.e., first resurrection. And, you know, and 
And one of the things we do have problems with at times is our life keeps us so busy. You know, we, we lose track of it. Like I've been looking for a job for a while and it, that came almost my main focus for a little bit and I had to kind of tell myself, Bible study, you know, I know you need to eat, but you got to do that too. And then people have health issues, they have other things. And sometimes we just lose focus of various things and it's good we repeat them and go back over them again just to re-remind us, hey, this is our goal, this is what we do. So just to get into it, this is, and by the way, this is going to be an over, overview. There's a lot of material. There was a lot of stuff I had to cut out on the first fruits. It was just so much stuff. So this will be like an overview you can use for your study, too, if you want to take some jot notes down and just say, here, here's some scriptures on it. My first reference will be with James and the epistle of James. We see that he understood the first fruits. For he says in James 1.18, perfect, Brian, it says, oh, uh, of how, okay, let me start over. And I do in King James, too, just to let you know for those who are following. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. So, we're, so James understood this. We will be like the first fruits of, the, of his creatures. And one thing I did notice in this one, using as a reference, he says, he brought us forth by the word of truth. Barnabas had, I believe it was last week, had some on deception. The world is full of deception. I mean, you can talk to my coworkers about Christmas, Easter, and a few other things. They look at me like, I tell them it's, it's, not, it's not Christian. They look at you like you're nuts. You're crazy. They don't understand what you're telling them. You can plant the seed, but they just don't catch on sometimes. So you just got to grin and bear it. And the world is full of that, and God can use that to open our minds. Like, like my mom, when she found the plane, to, she heard I went in the church. It's just an example, brief one. My mom, 18, I go in this radical church that keeps holy days and all this. Now, 20 years later, let's go 20 years in the future, she's in Arkansas. She goes, she doesn't remember where, but she went somewhere, and she found a Plain Truth magazine. Not that I'm advocating the Plain Truth, but you know, it had some articles relating to what I've told her. She read the basic scriptures, and she started to go, whoa, he's right. You know, so, and God can draw us to him by his truth. Mom wasn't drawn then because she thought her son just went to a radical church. Bottom line. But now she's starting to read the Bible and realize, hey, there is some facts to this. She still don't, still don't keep the holy days, and she's iffy on the Sabbath, but hey, it, it all moves in time. It all moves in time. Now we, now we see that Paul covers this theme also in great length, and I'm going to cover in two sections. First one I'm going to focus on is on 1 Corinthians 15. Don't worry, I'm not going to read all 53 verses either. I'm going to narrow down to the, 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 the nitty-gritty ones that really focus on what I want to go to here. And I think Paul really did a good job in when he told the Corinthians what he told them. So we're going to go to 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 23. For he wrote to them, and he says, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For such by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all died, or even as in Christ all shall be made alive. 
but each one in its own order. Christ the first fruits. Afterwards, those who are Christ at his coming. I keep wanting to say second coming, so if I stalled a second, <laughs> I caught that. Basically, what we read here is that, like we celebrated a few weeks ago, that Christ came as our Savior. He is the first fruits. He's the first one to be resurrected. We see that through Adam, death came to all man. Just like the sad news I was telling Maxine this morning. Uh, we found out somebody in Arkansas, uh, I don't think the husband went to the churches often, but I won't say names, I'll just see if it's okay to announce at church next week. But one of the families, uh, somebody passed away there. They, they, basically the wife went to work, husband got up, had some kind of heart attack or stroke or something, went unconscious, never woke up. And I think the funeral's tomorrow, so I'll get a hold of uh, the friends up there and see if I need to find a way up there if I don't work. But we don't, you know, death does befall us, unfortunately. And in his case, it was real quick. I mean, the guy was in perfect health. It can come suddenly. But through Christ, as it says in verse 22, for as Adam, in Adam all die, but even so in Christ all shall be made alive. So we can get life through Christ. He, it says that he is, Christ is the first fruits, and after, afterwards those who are Christ. I like that expression, which we'll cover up cover in just a few minutes. I want to go on to the next reference in Paul. It's Colossians 3, 2 through 4. Again, Paul tells the in Colossians, he says, Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For you died, and your life is hid, hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So, again, a lot of scriptures were pulled out of this. I didn't add them in it. But basically, when we're baptized, our, we basically it's like a symbolism of our death. And our life is actually hidden in Christ, with Christ, as it says here. And so we see from here that Christ is one of our is a definitely a main focus point. Because oh, I forgot to put that in. No problem. Del, well, we'll get in that in a minute. Basically, to withdraw back into where it says those who are Christ. I'm going to go to Christ and hear how He expressed it now. And I'm going to go to John because He does an awesome job. I like John. Book of John is almost like my favorite book. Just overall in the Bible, a lot, a lot of what it says. Well, in John 14, 6, it says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So he says, I am the way, so he is the path. He's the only path. He is the truth, and he is the life. So we depend on him on this. Because I've had people say that Christ would not agree with something like a certain individual I know that said that you can find life through anybody. In other words, through other religions like Buddha and other such. And it's not the way Christ put it. He says he is the way. He is the life. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And then he goes on down. He continues on in the next chapter with an analogy, which I can definitely understand since I like to raise, or 
grow plants. I'm not sure if it's raise or grow plants, but either way, I, you know, I have plants in the house. In John 15:1, the parable is called the, the true vine. And it says in 15:1, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. So we see that Christ is the true vine. And it continues and says in verse 5, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit. For, with, for without me you can do nothing. If any do, not, if any do not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and they throw them into the fire and they are burnt. I can understand that analogy. So if you're not with Christ, your life basically nothing. You can do nothing. It's like, it's, it's like that wandering Jew I had in the house. It has a tendency to do, it tends, tends to outgrow itself for some reason. But the other, it grows out, and mine don't look as healthy as the ones at the store. So realize if, I, if you think of the ones that hang over, then mine don't do that. But it's, I still like the plant. I noticed before, it's in the fall, I spring, basically in the fall, and in the winter, I tried to trim my plants down. Well, this one I, I pulled up, put on a table, looked at it, and I noticed some of the brown spots was because as the vine went this way, it died. So everything from that point forward started to turn brown and dead, and it just didn't have the life. Because like, like Jesus says, it, it depends on the vine, and the vine is cut off, it just wilts. And now it's actually growing very well because I've actually trimmed it, like I did the, like, like the vine dresser. I trimmed it, got it all set up, and now it's doing what it's supposed to do, at least until next fall. Then it'll do the same thing again. But that's true with us. If we cut ourselves off from Christ for whatever reason or somehow get cut off, our lives are nothing. To continue on, it says in verse 7, If you abide in, Christ, in me, Christ, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you, are my, be my, okay. so you will be my disciple. We see, and I looked up abide. I just thought I would just get a more technical definition. It means like to remain, stay, and live. So we must remain. His, his words must... As he says, and my word abides, lives in you. It's another way of saying it. And to be his disciples. This is where my talk with Dale came in, because I was thinking about that. I, I was talking to Dale about something about church, and it's not related to you all. But it's not a bad thing, good thing. But I, he jumped to a tangent topic. He was talking about how some Christians, and I'm not meaning anything bad. I'm not trying to put anyone down who professes Christianity. You're just saying they'll throw out the... Old Testament, or they don't want to hear this, or they don't want to hear that, and that's not the way it works. You know, as a disciple, disciple is someone who is a follower or a student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. It doesn't mean you go and listen to them and go, ho hum, and walk away and never practice what they say. You're supposed to, in that time, it was a more serious thing. When you were a disciple, if, if you were told by your teacher or rabbi to do something, Within reason, you do it. You learn it. You don't just walk away. Because I didn't put it here, but James says, what is it? The, and many of you all can correct me later. It's like, 
It's not the hearers of the laws, that are, not the hearer who is justified, but the doer. Now, what is our part? Well, first of all, we know we should, must diligently seek God on a daily basis. And as he said, his word must live within us. And we know that Paul even said something relating similar to that. He says in Paul, and Paul didn't have his own letter yet, not that way. In uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16, one we know about real well. In 2 Timothy 3, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine and for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that a man of God may be complete and thoroughly equipped for good, every good work. So the word, the scriptures are made for us to be complete. And if we study them, meditate on them, pray about them, we can, we can make them abide in us, live in us, remain in us. We can practice them and in, in, internalize them, you know, by, by meditation. But there is another key factor we must have. There are people who actually study all the time. There are people who will know that, you know, um, I don't know, that, we, that, is, that America's Israel, Britain, America, Israel. They'll know every king who, used to, who reigned in Israel before it fell. There's a little more to that than just knowing the stuff. We must have faith in God. We must have faith. And faith, as I understand it, means complete trust or confidence. Just like I do with my dad a lot. When he said he was going to assist on something recently, I had great faith he was going to do it. And he, had, he did it. So, <laughs> Good example there. It says in Hebrews 11.6, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he, that he is a, a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. As I said earlier, we must seek God. We must diligently seek God. And he's a rewarder. We must have faith in it, too. Now, it says in that, it says he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So what would be the reward? I mean, you know, okay, what would be, I asked the question, what would be the reward? Now, that's a big, complicated statement. I mean, I could have pulled 15 to 20 scriptures right off the bat. But, but for the sake of time, and so Steve has time this afternoon, because I know he has a good sermon today, I picked, in this case, Revelation 20, verse 6. And this just rounds back to the fact that the first fruits, because like I say, first fruits is like a first resurrection. It says, blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with them a thousand years. Now that's a promise worthy of its, its merit right off the bat. The fact that the second death, and you read other places, we're promised immortal life. Once we're resurrected, we will become immortal. We'll be with God. We'll be immortal, just like Christ was. We'll be just like him. And we won't have the aches and pains like the minor arthritis that's forming in my hands. And my mom complains about her knees, and my dad says something about his heart. You know, we won't have those issues in that body. We'll be able to stay up all night and do whatever we want, and, you know, within reason. 
The other promise I like about it is that it says, and he shall reign with him a thousand years. Many places show that we will have a purpose. Beyond just for ourselves having immortal life and being able to get up in the morning and do all the stuff we need, we also have the option of reigning with Christ and fixing the problems of the world. That's, I don't know if you're like me, but it's so frustrating to watch world news, and I'm not going to go into mass detail. Everybody knows what goes on in the world, like earthquakes, the crime stuff, and all that. To be able to come with, have Christ say, okay, um, Sean, I want you to go here, and this is how we're going to fix this problem, and this is the righteous way to fix the problem, and we're going to make this happen. And Sean, of course, would say, right on, God, I'm sure. But that we will have the opportunity of being a blessing to other people. We'll be able to help them. So it's not, the first fruits is not just for us. It's for the rest of the world. So just to basically summarize, we're at the 21st day of the 50-day count. It shows us that we have a limited amount of time. And in our, in our case, we don't always know how much. But in this case, we got 50 days before Pentecost. That we have an option of becoming, that we are striving to become part of the first fruits, which is a fair, the, which is one of our great goals as a Christian, to really try to be that part of the first fruits. And as said, not just for us, but to help the world. We are to stay, but in order to do that, to be part of the first fruits, we must be connected to the, main, the true vine, Christ. We must stay connected. We'll be his, we must be his disciple. Which means we study, we learn, we pray, we meditate, we fast, we try to do our best to diligently seek God, as Hebrews said. For in doing so, we can obtain that great promise that God, through Jesus Christ, that we'll have. So as, as Pentecost comes closer and closer, hopefully, it doesn't come too quick, first off, don't want time going that quick. But you will think about the fact of being a part of the first fruits. That is one of our goals as a Christian, to become part of the first fruits so we can not just benefit us, but the world and everything around us.